father's lightsaber. What? Lightsabers, precious? Lightsabers, precious. The Lord of the Rings, the Star Wars Encyclopedia podcast, every time fictional wikis. What are you doing, Joanna? I'm being spooky. Oh, I'm... Sometimes we wait a few minutes to get into the spooky stuff, but I thought we should get into it immediately. I'm being Ryan. This F will be spooky. I'm Joanna. You want to know what's going on in the world of Lord of the Rings? Or in the world of spooky? Uh, probably the the first one, because that's what our podcast is about. Probably first uh, person First and foremost. Well, this is good news or bad news, depending on your perspective. But the two guys from uh, Game of Thrones, um, what is it? So Weiss and Beninoff? D&D, as they're called. They they are off the Amazon Lord of the Rings show. That's my news. They're off the Star Wars trilogy they were going to (laughs) direct. Are they off everything? They're doing a Netflix show. They gave them $200 million to make a show. They're not going to do it now? Well, they're doing Netflix. They're not doing Star Wars. They're going to do a whole trilogy. They're not doing Lord of the Rings. They're not doing Star Wars. They're on both? They were involved. They're not doing anything. These guys, man. Man, these guys got shot down hard. They're also supposed to do a prequel to Game of Thrones, apparently, and that's also off. People did not like the ending. People hated the ending a lot. Now, it sounded like Kathleen Kennedy, who's head of like the Star Wars part of, of Disney, made it sound like they kind of left amicably. Cause they're like, oh, we don't have time to devote to both our Netflix show and to the Star Wars And she's like, I hope we get to work together in the future. Well, she would say that. Which she is has kinda, to say that. She did the same thing with... Colin Trevorrow as well after he made Book of Henry. So, um, you know, he didn't get to make episode nine. No, no, he didn't. No, um, I I mean, like, that's great. Um, maybe you prefer to believe that they parted amicably, but I'm going to say probably not because they're departing from, like, everything right now, including the Amazon Lord of the Rings show. So uh, those of you who are excited about D&D, sorry. Uh, those of you who are enraged about D&D, congratulations. I don't know who was excited about it. They're kind of goofballs who have said really dumb things, it turns out. They said a ton of dumb things. Um, they for example, definitely, yeah. uh, themes are for eighth grade book reports. <laughs> Did they really say that? They said that. <laughs> about writing the Game of Thrones Themes are for eighth grade book reports? Yeah. You guys are eighth grade book reports. Yeah. That's a stupid thing to say. Are you kidding me? There's a lot what of kind it. of right? Jesus Christ. All right. Well, that's what I have for Lord of the Rings news. What do you have for Star Wars? That was my Star Wars news. Oh, is that... oh my God. Same st- news. You stole my news. Up top, same news. Same news. A couple of newsies over here. Well, cool. You know what that means? Now that we've got the same news out of the way, we can go right into the spooky stuff. Okay. Yeah? yeah? You sure. ready? Yeah, yeah, I don't go for it. Yeah. Well, I think I already told you last week, but um, I am focusing on the spookiest of all spooky things in Lord of the Rings. That is the land of Mordor, where shadows lie. But so as, a, as a place, it's probably the scariest setting in all the Lord of the Rings. I mean, I would say so. So we are going to talk about Mordor, but you and I, we're also going to read some passages. That is to say, I'm going to read passages, and I'm going to make you do Gollum's voice every time he has a line. Yeah, right. I mean, right. You mean you make Producer Gollum do the voice? I'm going to make Producer Gollum do I'm the voice. I'm just going to hang him back. Yeah. Producer Gollum, you good with that? No! Well, that's too bad, because, uh, who, who, who pays you? Ah, stupid fat hobbit sister. We don't, we don't pay him. He thinks we do, but we don't. He's, he's, he's mad old, like he's used to barter, barter system and stuff, like, we don't. Alright, here we go. They me in this job with a riddle contest. He's gonna read his lines, it's fine, it's fine. Here okay. goes Mordor. So... 
As you know, Mordor is in the southeast of Middle-earth. Climate-wise, Tolkien said it was equivalent to, like, northern Sicily. But it should be, like... Specifically the island of Stromboli. So southeast, that make it, like, the Florida of Middle-earth? I mean, it certainly seems... Like all the, the nuts Florida roll downhill? All the nuts roll downhill to Mordor, yeah. There's definitely guys there, like, shooting at police helicopters with shotguns. Yeah. And wrestling gators. And, God, what else have they done in Florida? And what what is... Eating people's faces. What is this big spooky eye tower, but... Cinderella's Castle at Disney World. Cinderella's Castle at Disney World. Exactly. Or the Plain of Gorgoroth, that is Disney World. Or the Epcot Dome orb. Epcot is Mount Doom. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. I have no uh, doubt in my mind that eventually Epcot will erupt, will spew fire on um, the international pavilions, and will kill hundreds of thousands of people. But create a new land. But create a new land mass. Epcot Junior. When the giant Epcot egg hatches. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. So... Um, Mordor was surrounded by mountains on three sides and strategically located at the confluence of four major regions. Gondor, Wilderland, Rune, and Harrod. So it's like a, like a four corners of a state sort of thing. You can stand like, yeah. put, put one foot on each state and then two hands in two other states. Yes. If you imagine that Utah had like mountains surrounding it on three sides and okay. was actually inaccessible from the other three states, then yeah, it's like the same idea. I think it is, which is why there's so many Mormons there. <laughs> They're all hiding behind the, uh, Three the mountains. mountain ranges. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's it. Uh, uh, mountain ranges and or a uh, poisonous volcano. Yeah. I think they're hiding there. That's what Salt Lake City is. You thought it was a Salt Lake? No. No. It's a poisonous volcano. Now, in the northwest of Mordor, where two of its mountain ranges met, there was the Black Gate. Sure, I know that. A.K.A. Morandon, which just means Black Gate. But Yeah. Uh, this was flanked by the Towers of the Teeth. Uh, watchtowers that actually Gondor built following the last alliance of men and elves and maintained until they got, like, too lazy. Well, not really, like, lazy, more like dead. But we'll talk about that in a minute. There's a big difference, Joanna. You can't just throw around synonyms Uh, like that. Is there? Is there? Is there? If you have no ambition in life, you're fundamentally dead. Rise and grind, dead people. Rise and grind. Get on your grind. If you're not on your grind, then why are you even living? God, don't Work, work, work till you die. Get out of your freaking grave if you want to be a hashtag girl boss. (laughs) Come on. Get out of your grave and start selling 31 bags. If you don't mind, Ryan, I would like to read a passage about the Black Gate from the Two Towers. I think it's well creepy and really drives home how much Mordor sucks. So here we go. She's cracking open the tome. Creak! If by tome you mean like a copy of Lord of the Rings I bought in like 2006 or something, then yes. Trying to make you sound cool. All right, here we go. Actually, I don't think there's a golem part in this, so you can sit this one out, uh, producer golem. All right, at last... On the fifth morning... You have to put speaking music under this, okay? It's already there. At last, on the fifth morning since they took the road with Gollum, they halted once more. Before them, dark in the dawn, the great mountains reached up to roofs of smoke and cloud. Out from their feet were flung huge buttresses and broken hills that were now at the nearest scarce a dozen miles away. Frodo looked round in horror. Dreadful as the dead marshes had been, and the arid moors of the Noman lands, more loathsome far was the country that the crawling day now slowly unveiled to his shrinking eyes. Even to the mere of dead faces some haggard phantom of green spring would come, but here neither spring nor summer would ever come again. Here nothing lived, not even the leprous growths that feed on rottenness. 
The gasping pools were choked with ash and crawling muds, sickly white and gray, as if the mountains had vomited the filth of their entrails upon the lands about. High mounds of crushed and powdered rock, great cones of earth fire-blasted and poison-stained, stood like an obscene graveyard in endless rows, slowly revealed in the reluctant light. They had come to the desolation that lay before Mordor, the lasting monument to the dark labor of its slaves that should endure when all their purposes were made void, a land defiled, diseased beyond all healing, unless the great sea should enter in and wash it to oblivion. I feel sick, said Sam. Frodo did not speak. For a while they stood there, like men on the edge of a sleep where nightmare lurks, holding it off, though they know that they can only come to mourning through the shadows. The light broadened and hardened. The gasping pits and poisonous mounds grew hideously clear. The sun was up, walking among clouds and long flags of smoke, but even the sunlight was defiled. The hobbits had no welcome for that light, unfriendly it seemed, revealing them in their helplessness, little squeaking ghosts that wandered among the ash heaps of the Dark Lord. So that's like a one-star review on Yelp? That's a one star, that is a one-star review of Texas Roadhouse. Got it. <laughs> yeah, Here. they did not enjoy their steak. If you were to pass through the Black Gate, which you wouldn't because you would be murdered by orcs and trolls immediately, you would find yourself on the plain of Udun. Udun. Udun being Cinderin for hell. Well, really right to the point, aren't they? Well, I mean, yeah. Why beat around the bush? They don't have a concept of hell, do they? They have a concept of a place that really sucks. They go to Valinor. Well, I mean, maybe in folk tradition there's... They I, don't have know, a bad Ryan, place. Ryan, I can't... We talked I about know, this last week. I can't necessarily explain it, all right? Maybe maybe it doesn't literally mean hell. Maybe it just means, like, a place that really sucks ass. I don't know. But uh, this says it's Cinderin for hell. Okay, I'm just now, saying they wouldn't have a context of well, it. <laughs> now, from there, you would pass through another gate called the Eisenmouth, at which point you would enter the Daggerlad, or Battle Plain. And it was here that the last alliance of men and elves fought Sauron's forces in the Second Age. So you got a double gate with a plain called Hell in the middle of it. And now, a wee dagger lad. And a wee dagger lad. A little lad. baby holding a knife. Fetch me, dagger lad. I'm right here. Oh my god, why does he have a knife? <laughs> now, on both the west and south, Mordor was protected by a mountain range called the Ethel Duath, or the Mountains of Shadow. On the west side, there was Minas Morgul, the city of the Nazgul. Now, originally this city was called Minas Ithil and was a territory of Gondor until the Nazgul came and shitted it all up. And just north of Minas Morgul was Kirith Ungol, literally meaning the Pass of the Spider, a.k.a. where uh-huh. Frodo and Sam met Shelob. Now, the fact that Frodo willingly went to a place called Pass of the Spider and was, in fact, surprised to find a giant spider there shows that his elvish isn't as good as all that. Now, I gotta ask. I think we may have talked about this before, and forgive me if we have... Did Mortar always suck? No, he pretty much always sucked. I mean, we're getting that. We're getting I'm to saying, like, history, but these yeah. These names like, are so like. For as long as it's been Mordor, Mordor has sucked. Is this, these names are so, uh, so like, bad, and they're so, like, they imply such a very bad I mean, neighborhood. I mean, that's kind of like Sauron's aesthetic. Like, he's kind of a goth kid. I know. I just feel like. Wasn't there a time where this was a nice green field? And, I and- mean. Maybe in like, you know, pre-first age times, maybe, maybe. Just inside the Mountains of Shadow was a lower parallel ridge called the Morgai. And this mountain range was separated from the Ethel Duath by a narrow valley, which Frodo and Sam followed northward after escaping from Kirith Ungol. So you see in this, you've got the Ethel Duath. With Kirith Ungol mm-hmm. and, and, and Minas Morgul in it. And then you've got this parallel ridge 
ridge of mountains just inside it. And then between those two mountain ranges, you've got this crappy valley that's just really crap. I remember them being in a crappy valley. They were in a crappy valley. Now, Tolkien describes this valley as a, quote, dying land not yet dead. The vegetation include, quote, low scrubby trees, coarse gray grass tussocks, withered mosses, great writhing tangled brambles, and thickets of briar with long stabbing thorns. So even the plants suck. Sounds like a bad place. The fauna include maggots. Maggots, sure. Gotta start, start little. Midges. Midge? Is that like a is that like a nematode sort of thing? No, that's like the little guys that hang around in swamps and bite you. Are they you. leeches? No, 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 no. They fly. They oh, they're, fly. B- oh, they're like mosquitoes. They're smaller than flies. That They're miserable. They're miserable. Okay. Yeah. And, and flies marked with, quote, a red eye-shaped blotch. Now, I don't know if Sauron, like tagged each and every fly or if the flies were like engaging in some sort of school spirit day but it's kind of like if all the flies in iraq in the 1990s had saddam hussein's face on them now they say that evolution's real but i see the signs of sauron everywhere <laughs> signs of morgoth everywhere it's all according to sauron's plan it's all according to everything sauron's was plan. created in its present form by the plan of sauron these midges are formed in his image except we know that's not true because like before sauron even became evil, the earth went from being flat to being round. So yeah, okay. Clearly, okay. it's not his plan, right? This mortar in particular. Now, once that's you... a, that's all the fauna they have. Yeah, I figure like there's no, not... they just have maggots, midges, and flies. That's I... how much it sucks. Not even like a rat or a rat. I mean, there might be like one rat, a raccoon, perhaps. In in, in Sauron's garbage? No? Uh, uh, I don't think Sauron, like, I think the orcs just ate his garbage. What about vultures or large cawing birds? No, because the, you know, fell beasts would have eaten them all. Mm. Like, there's literally nothing except maggots, midges, and flies. Let's eat those. I mean, big-ass frogs or, like, angry toads? No. Not that's ever mentioned. Okay. Not that's ever mentioned. I'm telling you, Ryan, this place is miserable what about a lizard what about a nice heat-seeking lizard not even like a a, not even a single heat-seeking lizard there could have been chameleons we just couldn't see them maybe that's true frodo and sam couldn't see them anyway Yeah, yeah now once you got into the interior of mordor there were three main regions only one of which really mattered the plateau of gorgoroth was in the northwest and this was the core of sauron's kingdom Nern, the southern part of Mordor, was more fertile, and thus the place Sauron sent his orc slaves to grow food for the rest of his army. And there was also the dry plain of Liflad, who you don't have to care about because, like, nothing ever happened there as far as I can tell. Yeah, so there's Miami and Tampa Bay. And, uh, there, you know, there's uh, Tallahassee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Orlando. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Naples. Naples. Naples is lovely this Naples, time of year. Yeah, a lot of retirees Absolutely. in Mordor this time of year. Yes. Yep. Now that we've got the geography out of the way, let's talk about Mordor's history. Mordor was originally created by the evil of Morgoth and or volcanic activity. Um, maybe Morgoth was so evil that the Earth just like started spouting magma in protest. Plate I don't tectonics. Know. Plate tectonics. But anyway, Morgoth made it and Sauron was the second being to settle there. Can you guess what the first was? Maybe was it Morgoth? Not Morgoth. Morgoth just like made it. He didn't settle down, baby. He was a rolling stone. Ungoliant. Close. A big dragon. No, you were closer with Ungoliant. Uh, What's close to Ungoliant? Shilo. Ding, ding, ding. She's around that long? Yeah, it's our buddy Shilo. She's old. She's old. If you remember, Shilo was the offspring of Ungoliant. Right. A.K.A. Morgoth's spider buddy who ate the light of the two trees and shitted out a bunch of darkness. Right. So she was there first, but Sauron took up residence in Mordor about 1,000 years into the Second Age. In the year 1600 of the Second Age, he used Mount Doom to forge the One Ring. Ah, yes. From that point on, he was a troublesome little prick. 
He attacked and destroyed Oregion in 1697. In 3261, the men of Numenor stormed Middle-earth, captured Sauron, and took him back to their island, which worked out really well for them, as you remember. I do remember the story. Um, not only did Sauron create his own satanic cult, he also convinced the king of Numenor to try to fight God, causing the island to sink and Sauron's physical body to be drowned, which, oops, but he didn't let that stop his dickery. He returned to Mordor as a spirit and resumed right. his role. Sauron's 5,000-year plan hit another snag at the end of the Second Age when the Black Gate was stormed by the last alliance of men and elves. Yeah, come on, guys. Now, the Tower of Baradur was then besieged by the alliance's forces. After seven years of siege, Sauron broke out and was defeated in a final battle on the slopes of Mount Doom. I seem to remember this. At that point, his spirit fled, quote, into the Far East, where he presumably got turned on to Buddhism and found a Japanese waifu. Yeah. JK, yeah. but maybe. <laughs> Baradur was leveled, and the Kingdom of Gondor built great fortresses at the entrances to Mordor to prevent Sauron's return. These were the Towers of the Teeth. Yes. Obviously, Sauron wasn't the only one to die at this point. I mean, like, well, I mean, he sort of died. Like, he can't really die. He didn't die. really he, like, die. sort of died during this battle. Uh, a large number of orcs, men, and elves also perished, and many of these were laid to rest in an area that would later become the Dead Marshes. It wasn't a marsh at the time. It wasn't like they were just chucking all their dead yeah, into a swamp. I remember this last year. Tell me about but, Dead Marshes. Yeah. The area was not originally marshland, but as the marsh encroached, it swallowed up the dead. However... Their bodies could still be seen floating in the water. Although, according to Gollum, they are not physically there and only appear as visions. Mm, mm, mm. I'd like to read a passage about the dead marshes, if I may. Uh, it's truly chilling and very appropriate for Halloween, but I will need Producer Gollum to help me out. What? Help me out here, Producer Gollum. Here, I'm going to read. I'll tell you when. Okay, here we go. I can't see it. We don't read. They walked slowly. Stooping, keeping close in line, following attentively every move that Gollum made. The fens grew more wet, opening into wide, stagnant mirrors, among which it grew more and more difficult to find the firmer places where feet could tread without sinking into gurgling mud. The travelers were light, or maybe none of them would ever have found a way through. Presently, it grew altogether dark. The air itself seemed black and heavy to breathe. When lights appeared, Sam rubbed his eyes. He thought his head was going queer. He first saw one with the corner of his left eye, a wisp of pale sheen that faded away, but others appeared soon after, some like dimly shining smoke, some like misty flames flickering slowly above unseen candles. Here and there, they twisted like ghostly sheets unfurled by hidden hands, but neither of his companions spoke a word. At last, Sam could bear it no longer. "'What's all this, Gollum?' he said in a whisper. "'These lights, they're all around us now. "'Are we trapped? Who are they?' Gollum looked up. A dark water was before him, and he was crawling on the ground this way and that, doubtful of the way. "'Yes, they are all round us,' he whispered. "'The tricksy lights! Candles of corpses! Yes, yes! "'Don't you heed them! Don't look! Don't follow them! "'Where's the master?' Sam looked back and found that Frodo had lagged again. He could not see him. He went some paces back into the darkness, not daring to move far or to call in more than a hoarse whisper. Suddenly, he stumbled against Frodo, who was standing lost in thought, looking at the pale lights. His hands hung stiff at his sides. Water and slime were dripping from them. Come, Mr. Frodo, said Sam. Don't look at them. Gollum says we mustn't. Let's keep up with him and get out of this cursed place as quick as we can, if we can. All right said Frodo, as if returning out of a dream. I'm coming. Go on. 
Hurrying forward again, Sam tripped, catching his foot in some old root or tussock. He fell and came heavily on his hands, which sank deeply into sticky ooze so that his face was brought close to the surface of the dark mirror. There was a faint hiss. A noisome smell went up. The lights flickered and danced and swirled. For a moment, the water below him looked like some window, glazed with grimy glass through which he was peering. Wrenching his hands out of the bog, he sprang back with a cry. There are dead things, dead faces in the water, he said with horror. Dead faces, Gollum laughed. <laughs> the dead marshes, yes, yes, that is their name, he cackled. You should not look when the candles are lit. Who are they? What are they? asked Sam, shuddering, turning to Frodo, who was now behind him. I don't know, Frodo said in a dreamlike voice, but I have seen them too, in the pools where the candles were lit. They lie in all the pools, faces pale, deep, deep under the water. I saw them, grim faces and evil, and noble faces and sad. Many faces proud and fair, and weeds in their silver hair, but all foul, all rotting, all dead. A fell light is in them. Frodo hid his eyes in his hands. I know not who they are, but I thought I saw their men and elves and orcs beside them. Yes, yes, said Gollum. All dead, all rotten. Elves and men and orcs. The dead marshes. There was a great battle long ago, yes. So they told him when Smeagol was young, when I was young, before the precious came. It was a great battle. Tall men fought with long swords and terrible elves and orcs shrieking. They fought on the plain for days and months at the Black Gates. But the marshes have grown since then, swallowed up the graves, always creeping, creeping. Well, that is an age and more ago, said Sam. The dead can't be really there. Is it some devilry hatched by the Dark Lord? Who knows? Smeagol doesn't know, answered Gollum. You cannot reach them. You cannot touch them. We tried once. Yes, precious. I tried once, but you cannot reach them. Only shapes to see, perhaps. Not to touch. No, precious. All dead. Sam looked darkly at him and shuddered again, thinking that she had guessed why Smeagol had tried to touch them. Side note, because he was trying to eat them. Well, I don't want to see them, he said. Never again. Can't we get on and get away? Yes, yes, said Gollum, but slowly, very slowly, very carefully, or hobbitses go down to join the dead ones and light little candles. Follow Smeagol, don't look at lights! Okay. Wow. Pretty spooky, right? Pretty spooky. Now, unlike in the movie, Frodo doesn't fall in. Although, I didn't mind that so much in the movie version. Um, I thought it was really scary, for one thing. And it gave, you know, Gollum a- an opportunity to show that he was good. A hero moment. At least for the moment. Yeah. Uh, by pulling Frodo out. Uh, so that was the Dead Marshes. Now, for over a thousand years, Mordor was guarded by Gondor following the last alliance of men and elves and remained desolate, although the watch gradually lessened. And this is because during the reign of King Telemnar of Gondor, casualties from the Great Plague were so high that Gondor couldn't afford to keep men on Mordor duty anymore. Okay. So Mordor began to fill up with evil again. Yes, it does. And the Ringwraiths re-entered Mordor in the year 1856 of the Third Age. You didn't leave it any, like, orc traps when they left? Any, like... like Booby traps? Like or- micro-machines what? glued to uh, the floor? I was talking, or, like, like... Paint cans that swoop I down. I meant, like, little, like, orc hotels with, like, sticky paper. Oh, they should have done that. They should have used two main traps. That's though. what I thought. Like, they yeah. used to trap, neuter, and release cats. They should have trapped, neutered, and released the orcs. orcs. Yeah. That would be the more humane way to do it. They come back and clean up when they're done. Yes. With now, the plague. In 2002, 
Uh, that is not 2002 of our present age. That is 2002 of the third age. A year after 9-11. Yes, this did not happen a year after 9-11. But what if it did? The Iraq War. But it didn't. Yeah. Now, the Ringwraiths captured Minas Ithil and turned into some weird, everlasting goth industrial night. At that point, the fortifications that were supposed to defend Gondor from the menace inside Mordor were turned into a means of shielding Mordor. Do you care to read a passage about Minas Morgul with me? I don't care. Well, okay. <laughs> so I'm going to take that as a tacit consent. Reluctantly, Frodo turned his back on the west and followed as his guide led him out into the darkness of the east. They left the ring of trees and crept along the road towards the mountains. This road, too, ran straight for a while, but soon it began to bend away southwards until it came right under the giant shoulder of rock that they had seen from the distance. Black and forbidding, it loomed above them, darker than the dark sky beyond. Crawling under its shadow, the road went on, and rounding it sprang east again and began to climb steeply. Frodo and Sam were plodding along with heavy hearts, no longer able to care greatly about their peril. Frodo's head was bowed, his burden was dragging him down again. As soon as the great crossroads had been passed, the weight of it, almost forgotten in Ithilien, had begun to grow once more. Now, feeling the way become steep before his feet, he looked wearily up, and then he saw it. Even as Gollum had said that he would, the city of the Ringwraiths. He cowered against the stony bank. A long, tilted valley, a deep gulf of shadow, ran back far into the mountains. Upon the further side, some way within the valley's arms, high on a rocky seat above the black knees of the Ethel Duath, stood the walls and towers of Minas Morgul. All was dark about it, earth and sky, but it was lit with light. Not the imprisoned moonlight welling through the marble walls of Minas Ithil long ago. Tower of the moon, fair and radiant in the hollow of the hills. Paler indeed than the moonlight ailing in some slow eclipse was the light of it now, wavering and blowing like a noisome exhalation of decay. A corpse light, a light that illuminated nothing. In the walls and tower windows showed like countless black holes looking inward into emptiness. But the topmost course of the tower revolved slowly, first one way, and then another, a huge ghostly head leering into the night. For a moment, the three companions stood there, shrinking, staring up with unwilling eyes. Gollum was the first to recover. Again, he pulled at their cloaks urgently, but he spoke no word. Almost he dragged them forward. Each step was reluctant, and time seemed to slow its pace, so that between the raising of a foot and the setting of it down, minutes of loathing passed. Wow. Yeah. Tolkien is like surprisingly kind of metal, huh? Yeah, I can see why all the, oh yeah, all the all the metal nerds were into the, into this stuff. Yeah, you know? definitely, definitely. Now, uh, you already know what happened to Mordor in the end, right? Our boys got to Mount Doom. They threw the dang ring in. Uh, Aragorn and friends fought some orcs and chopped the head off the mouth of Sauron. And everyone went home yep. happy. And the whole damn Mordor fell apart. So the Dark Tower of Barad-dûr, the Black Gate, the Towers of the Teeth were all destroyed. Mount Doom literally exploded, at clearing the sky over Mordor. Uh, because we all know that's what happens when volcanoes explode. It should be they the clear opposite. The sky. It should have caused another ice age. They, they don't cause thousands of square miles of, uh, you know, plane cancellations. Right. They, they clear the skies. And both Sauron and his ring rates were apparently destroyed. Okay. As far as right now. The ultimate defeat of Sauron heralded the beginning of the Fourth Age. Much of Mordor, especially Golgoroth, became empty again as the orcs inside it fled or were killed 
Or, as we talked about on a much earlier episode, lost all motivations and just kind of like, just didn't do anything. Just, just like died out. off slowly over time. Mm-hmm. One interesting thing is that although crippled by thousands of years of abuse and neglect, the land of Nurm, remember that's where they were doing all their farming for the army? Yeah. It was capable of sustaining life. In fact, this fertile land was given to Sauron's freed slaves. Okay. So if you ever wondered what is in Mordor after Sauron fell, the answer is farmer's so it turned green. Turned green. At least Nern did. That's nice. Yeah, it's a nice yeah. environmentalist ending. Yeah. So that's what I have for you. See, spooky, but kind of uh, ended on it up. No, but but how spooky were those passages, huh? I was actually reading them the other night, and I was like getting getting spooked. Ooh, ah, I was like kind of getting. We've talked about those concepts before, like the dead marshes and and the the ringwraith city and stuff, but. To hear them from Tolkien's words is pretty cool. Better than I could explain them, for sure. More spooky. Yeah. Now, what do you have for me? Well, I told you last week, we're spooking it up again with some Tales from the Midnight Society. We have the Galaxy of Fear, book eight, The Swarm. Ooh, now is it better than the last one? Mmm... I'm going to take that as a no. Mm. Not particularly good. Now, off, mm. off mic, you did tell me that these Galaxy of Fear books kind of get worse after the first arc. I will say this one's not very scary. Okay. Um, now, I'm seeing a picture that you have in your notes of some kind okay. of praying mantis. I'm thinking like a shocker on shock street kind of thing. You are exactly wrong. Okay. Well, then what is it? Well, let's start with the prologue, as these books always do. We start with a mysterious caretaker talking to a couple of beetles in a glass case who seem to understand what he's saying. Yeah. Very odd. They flutter their wings and outside the workshop, thousands of other insects flutter in answer. The entire workshop is covered in thousands of flying insects. Whoa. The caretaker laughs. Whoa. Are they midges and flies and maggots? They're beetles. Beetles. But that's all we get. That's the spooky prologue. Aren't you spooked? Being a lot of bugs is in and of itself like uh, Yeah, I think the problem with this book is I really like bugs. I think they're really interesting. Maybe if you were like really bug phobic, but like what this reads to me is like uh, he was on a picnic and suddenly there were a bunch of ants on his picnic blanket and scene. But yeah, I don't find I don't find bugs scary. So especially not beetles. Beetles are pretty pretty cute. Okay. Well, let's continue our okay. story. So as usual, our story starts with Zack messing around and doing dumb shit. That's right. He's messing around with the Shroud's engines. Does he even use his skimboard anymore? Did that just like totally get dropped? Hold that thought. Oh, okay. Um, okay so he's effing with the engine. Which while is the ship is in idea. flight in space. Well, it's in the middle of outer space where no one can hear you scream. He's, That's a great idea, Zach. He's late for his lesson with Uncle Hool because he's kind of like homeschooling the kids now. They can't really like, I thought that the robot... Oh, but the robot DV9 is in retirement. Retired. Domestic violence, the robot yeah. is in retirement. But he just wants to see what happens if I move this wire over to this socket and then... Zach is, Zach is launched backwards and electrocuted. Mm, he definitely had that coming. He's not killed. The Aww. engine is still working. But still a top-tier dumbass moment for a kid with a lot of top-tier dumbass moments. Now, I thought this was going to be a Tosh-centric one. I thought so, too. This is another Zach one. This is another Zach day. Okay, so we've just abandoned all, like... Another Zach joint. Honestly, okay. Tosh doesn't do, like, next to anything in this book, so... She doesn't even get catfish. There's no catfishing with this time. Who this is one. she anymore? I know, right? Hool <laughs> tells the kiddos they're heading for a planet called Skr. Skr. That's S apostrophe K R R R. A planet with not nearly enough vowels, but a beautiful ancient <laughs> garden called the Circadian Garden. 
Sounds pretty. Also, the Empire is planning on building a base there, which will cause the property values to plummet and like ruin all the natural beauty. And so who wants to save that garden from the fascist you gotta, yeah, forces? Yeah, you, you gotta save the property values, Save man. the garden. You gotta gentrify that shit. The ship lands and a flowery smell fills their nostrils. This whole time, Zack is getting sweaty about like, what if my engine tinkering is going to make the ship like explode or something? You should have thought of that before you just started touching wires, you idiot. Anyway, he steps outside and a huge insect reaches out his clothes to grab him! It's a shocker on Shock Street! Cliffhanger. It's just a friendly insect. Uh, it's like a big insect. It's also, like it's a, like nice. It's a man's six, six foot tall insect named Varun. Um, but not, he introduces himself, but not before Zach panics and calls him a giant bug to his face. Well, you're kind of an asshole. Aren't you, Zach? He's really, racist there. Like, we're only like two chapters in and ba- Zach's like batting a thousand. This is a, this is a wonderful Zach dumbass book. So. Man, he's done nothing good so far. Varun is a Skur, which is the native of the planet Skur. Okay, he, so Skur, Skur. And Varun is the garden's caretaker. Okay. Interesting how the prologue had a caretaker. And this is the planet's caretaker. Connection? Probably not, but that's what I pointed oh, out. Did he get, like turn into a bug? No, here's here's Varun. Here's here's what he looks like. But did he get? Did the beetles make him turn into a bug? They never described what species he was in the prologue. See, when you first started talking caretaker, like all I could think was Scatman Crothers' character from The Shining. Like that's what I thought you were getting at. No, no, he's. A, I mean, that's what I pictured too. Does but he then I shine. But then it's like it didn't say he was a human. I said he was talking to beetles. I guess I made an ass out of you and me, didn't you I? Sure did. So Varun's a big insect. He's a scur. Did you fart? Uh-uh. I scurred. All right. So he, <laughs> you don't ta- me. he introduces himself and tells the Arandas that they're double parked on the garden. They're too close to it. Basically, their engines are going to mess with the, they're in a fire the, lane. the delicate balance of the garden. Um, and who goes to like move the ship out of the way? But nothing happens. <gasps> the engine doesn't start. It just oh, sits there. Oh, no. Could it be Zach's fault? Zach is in yes. full-on sweaty mode right now. Um, he admits to Uncle Hool in like a real wavery voice like i mess with the engine uncle who and he simply says i see who is ice cold man anyway the ship and is your grounded ass is getting whipped with a belt later young man it's basically stuck in the garden until it can be repaired rune finds this unacceptable and calls him clumsy off-worlders and then stalks away back well, to whatever he's doing he's being a little bit racist too so I he's guess. caretaking all right who gets to working on the ship and as usual sends his niece and nephew off to explore the garden by themselves yeah, because he's a responsible guardian like that. So here's And they've l- never gotten into trouble before. Here's a paragraph that started out nice and then stupid, okay? Okay, I'm ready. Passing under an arch, they entered the Circadian Garden. Tosh gasped. Even Zack, who is more interested in mechanical things than plants, whispered, Prime. <laughs> God. Stop trying to make Prime happen, Zack. Zach- prime <laughs> is never going to happen. Anyway, this garden, the Circadian Garden, is completely beautiful, entirely natural. Tosh, who is a girl, wants to go look at the flowers. Yeah, because she's a girl. Duh. And, and Zach, a boy, wants to go see the sick waterfall. Like flowers and catfishing. That's what she's yeah. into. And Zach is apparently into getting electrocuted in sick waterfalls. So which, they, by the way, is a great place to get electrocuted again. So they split up like children who have learned nothing from the previous books. Which they, because they haven't. Yeah. On the way, Zach finds a big beetle eating a mushroom. He touches it and it crawls onto his arm. He's got a new beetle buddy. Oh, onto his arm. I thought you said into his no, arm. No, onto his arm. It kind of crawls okay. on him. It's kind oh. of nice and friendly. It's like, okay, you cool. know. Bugs but then good. something big drops onto his head with a shriek. I bet it's another bug, and I bet it's friendly, and I bet it gives him a million dollars. No, actually, it's a weird flying creature. Its body was about one meter long and had even longer black wings. Its neck ended in a tiny head. A thin tail snaked through the air behind it. Are you okay. sure it's not a bug? It's a big bat-looking thing. Oh. Like, kind of like, like, a sky, like a little dragon sort of thing. Okay. It flaps away to dive into Zack's head again, but Zack grabs a stick and smacks it out of the air hey, to the ground. Hey, uncalled for. It's probably just lost. Well, he killed it. What the flip? 
lip, Zach! He didn't mean to, but he smacked it to the ground and it died. Prime! Prime! <laughs> Zach's like... Murder! Prime! Why was it attacking me? And he's like, oh, crap! Uncle Hul said I shouldn't touch anything, and now he just killed something in the garden. Wow! <laughs> it's just like F up after F up for this kid. Not Prime at all, right? Not, not remotely Prime. So he puts his beetle back on the mushroom and says, we're not going to talk about this to anybody, okay? You and me, we got a secret, okay? He's going to tell someone. Right. It could, though. He returns to Tosh, who's looking at flowers, of course, with another skr named Shashak. Now, is this the one that's going to, like come on to her and and catfisher and thinking she's no. like a buddhist or a hacker or something again you'd hope that but no he happens to be the most famous poet on the whole planet Skr. oh not in poems in basic mind you but poems in wing song do we get to hear any of his poems we do he re- but we can't actually read them because he recites his poems by vibrating his wings and rubbing them together to make this kind of like humming uh, melody not to be like culturally insensitive, but that sounds dumb. Well, even Zach thinks the poem is pretty prime because it's like the the wing song is the traditional language of the skr. They used to talk to each other. Their little clacky mouths can make out basic, but when they want to talk to each other, they use wing song. Okay, all right, right. Shashak explains that everything in the planet, everything in the garden is natural. There's no technology to help grow things, and pesticides are for, strictly forbidden. The plants just grow on their own. They use a beetle called a drug to pollinate everything and use their natural predators, flying creatures called shreves, to keep the population under control. Okay, now I bet what Zach killed is a shreve, and so the beetle population's going to get out of control. What? what? And they're going to rebel because they're being used as slaves to pollinate this garden. All right, well, Shashak tells them it's a, it's a delicate balance. Uh, if even, the legend has that even if one shreve is killed before its natural time, the whole garden's balance will be destroyed. <laughs> so good thing like that will ever happen huh zach? zach you think that they find like more robust ways to protect those shreves then but yeah, so zach is like sweatier than ever now uh but he's like but, but what, what if a shreve attacks a human like would it be self-defense right and shashak's like now nah, that, that that never happened they only attack drugs like well zach is a drug there's the twist ending plus they're protected by law so you know like oh, you're gonna be executed now old man thankfully uncle hul shows up before zach completely becomes a puddle of flop sweat um shashak gives hul a tour of the garden while their old pal varun shows the kids to his cottage workshop zach it's asks santa the shit he's got a, he's like a scientist he's like a caretaker oh, okay zach asks varun if the legend about the shreves is true and varun's like yep pretty much that's true like if one dies it's all messed up uh let me show you the balance of nature here just to give you an example so he shows him a tank that has 12 drug beetles in it he's like guess what yesterday there's only two of them in here these guys multiply real fast they eat pretty much everything that's what's gonna happen so it's good we just have the right amount of shreves to maintain them right isn't that great that sounds like a really like dumb and tenuous system why wouldn't they keep spare somewhere why wouldn't they have like a shreve breeding program you don't know they don't well then fine then it's fixed the next morning zach is up early to correct his mistake how you gonna make two (laughs) shreves bone you ready for this No. he's gonna step on 30 drog beetles Which is the amount that he calculated they would have eaten before do- for like How the other day. How did he calculate that? He's not a drug beetle ethnologist. Well, Brune kind of gave him some stats, but he's like, I'm going to go out and step on 30 beetles. That'll settle the balance. You're a stupid idiot because that's not how um, ecology works, but okay. He's got great decision making again. He figures he'll just do the same thing every day as long as they're on the planet and everything will be fine. And after that, uh That's not how it works, dumbass. Well, he does it. He returns to the ship and has Sir Carapian... Snake eggs. I think it's from Circapus, which we okay. talked about in Splinter of the Mind's Eye. Yes. They have snake eggs for breakfast with Uncle Hul and Tosh. And anyway, Zach finds a drog beetle in his bowl. 
which is like the cliffhanger, which is not a big cliffhanger because like, cliff- oh, there's a bug in my eggs. That's not like, a huge cliffhanger. It's a bug from a garden full of bugs. Like, and, you're, like you're eating outdoors and bugs got in your food. That's not that crazy. But the real scary thing is that they see an imperial shuttle flying over their oh, head well, that and landing been, in the garden. That should have been the cliffhanger. Three men get out and approach the kids in Hul, who has shapeshifted into another guy to protect his identity. He's kind of like, change sure. his face. Um, two of the officers are typical human Imperials. But the third guy, who seems to be the leader, looks human, except that his skin is blue and his eyes are red. <gasps> what is that? What? What? I what? am Captain Thrawn, commander what? of the Imperial Star Destroyer Vengeance. Thrawn? I'm, I'm looking for the caretaker of this garden. Where is he? Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is the first time an extended universe character has been the featured character. You are correct, ma'am. He was that popular, huh? Thrawn made it into a kid's book, yeah. Wow. There's, Kids all knew him, huh? There's a whole section of, when I was researching Thrawn that talked about the Arandas, and I got all excited. It's like, I hope he's going to show up during Spooky October. And he did! And here he is. Yep. Thrawny baby. Um, Tash gets all mouthy and asks, like, are you going to go tell Varun that you're going to pave over his garden with a parking lot? And Thrawn simply states he's there to study art, especially the garden. To better oh, that's under- right. But, but if he doesn't get the art, he's right. going to kill everyone. He wants to better understand the Skur culture. The more insight I have into a culture, the more easily I can dot dot dot. Deal with it, he says. The rest of the day is boring, and Hul insists the kids stay near the ship in a fit of proper parenting that he hasn't had in a long time. Yeah, for real. Tasha's bored and asks Zach if she wants to go if he wants to go snoop around the Imperial shuttle in the morning. Ooh, now Tosh, that's a rare bad idea initiated by Tosh. She got this feeling in her stomach, like the force is kind of telling her something bad's going to happen, and we got to scope this out. She's going to hashtag resist. You think so? Yeah. She's going to dance for the resistance? She's going to dance for the resistance. As they approach the shuttle, a shadowy figure with a gun slips out of it and runs into the garden. (gasps) Tosh sees this as a sign that they're up to something, since the guy had a gun, I guess, like like every Imperial officer. He's going to shoot all the plants. So they pursue the shadowy figure. They lose the shadowy figure in the garden, but they come across their pal, Shashak, Cutting a tree with a vibropike. Shashak! Which seems like a weird thing for me to do. What is a vibropike? I don't feel like that's the thing that could cut it. It's a, it's like a, is like Is that what Jub-Jub had? Uh, no, she had a, she had a welding cutter. She had oh, like okay. a metal cutter. A vibropike's like a pike, but it's got like a, like a energy cir- circulating through it, so it's got more energy behind it. Mm, seems like a dumb thing to cut a tree with. But the thing is, he shouldn't be cutting a tree at all, right? This is yeah, a protected this garden. this is like a protected garden. This is like a wildlife sanctuary. He tells the kids he's practicing. For what? That's it. He just For the tree it. uprising? He's a poet, but also likes to smack trees with the pike. I don't know. Kind of sounds like an idiot. Yeah. Like a, like a thing an idiot would do. They head back to the ship, and on the way, they find Thrawn admiring the flowers. Okay. And Zack says, he really is a nut for flowers, to Tosh. And Thrawn overheard him. Without looking what at, did you say? Without looking at Zack, he replied, you are only a child, so I forgive your insolent behavior. This time. What you fail to realize is that a culture reveals itself through its art. If you know how to read the art, you will find everything you need to know about the people. Tosh frowned. And that's information you can use against them. I knew the Empire was up to something here. I encounter civilians like you all the time, said Thrawn. You believe the Empire is continually plotting to do harm. Let me tell you, your view of the Empire is far too dramatic. The Empire is a government. It keeps billions of beings fed and clothed. Day after day, year after year, on thousands of worlds, people live their lives under imperial rule without seeing a single stormtrooper or hearing a TIE fighter scream overhead. I assure you, I am part of no plot against the Sk'ur. I find them a most interesting race. Based on the art I've studied, I say the Sk'ur worship both beauty and violence. The garden is well-ordered, but also is natural and wild. The most interesting thing about them is that for many years, a cult existed in Sk'ur's society that worshipped insects. This cult believed that insects were the Sk'ur's ancestors and should be respected and revered. The Sk'ur were forbidden to harm the insects, and the insects were encouraged to expand and grow. The cult was forbidden when the insects threatened to overrun the entire planet. Rumor has it that many Sk'ur still follow the old beliefs. 
Now, if you tell anyone that I like flowers, I will find <laughs> you and I will cut you. You see, that is all the information I'm looking for here. I simply believe in knowing as much about a culture as possible. And I assure you that I have no intention of wasting my time with any fiendish plots. Then Thrawn and the kids walk along the path looking at flowers and they find one of his officers dead in the path. Okay, so... They find it and he's swarming with drog beetles. They're having another uprising, dude! Like, that's not exactly subtle foreshadowing. Thrawn comes up to his Star Destroyer and orders the garden sealed and searched whoever killed this guy. Yeah. Uh, soon the place is swarming with Imperials. They're stomping all over the place. They're uprooting bushes. Oh They're... my god. And they obviously Vroon is going off about this. He is so upset. He's the caretaker and his place is being not being taken care of. But Thrawn says, this is a murder investigation. Plus, it could be rebel activity. I gotta scope it out. Deal with it. Medical, medical examiners... Uh, kind of examine the body of the guy, and he finds he has several large wounds in his body. In, not on, but on, in. on his body. Oh, on his body. Possibly caused by a vibropike. <gasps> Strange. It was the poet, and they didn't even know it. Oh my. The kids return to the ship and find that it has been searched by Imperials. Everything's been overturned and everything. Thankfully, Hul's been able to hide their identity, so they're not going to get taken in or anything. He's frowning. Uh, Uncle Hul is there. He's all sad about it. Shashak's there too, and leaves to do errands. But as soon as he's out of earsight, uh, Zach's like, he's the Vibropike murderer! The thing guy was dead! Did you say, you little narc? Hul shrugs it off as an idiot boy's on misunderstanding and suggests he rests up his stupid narc nephew. He figures they're all going to be questioned by the Imperials at some point, so they should probably rest up and enjoy the day inside the ship, cleaning up all the mess. In the middle of the night, Zach remembers he forgot to kill his daily 30 beetles. Oh no, I forgot to murder 30 living creatures! He hopes that in all their stomping around, the Imperials stepped on at least 30 in the process. <laughs> Uh, so he's like, oh, I'll just go to bed. It's fine. Oh my God, this I'll do 60 stupid. tomorrow. It's no this big deal. So stupid. That's to- <laughs> not how ecology works. He drifts off to sleep again and then awakens with his bed covered in drug beetles. Oh no. Well, now he can just kind of roll back and forth and crush 60 of them. So it should Zach- all work out, right? Zach wakes up his family in his panic and they watch as he smashes every single beetle to death with a skimboard. Why do they allow him to do this? He's f- okay, so he's skimboarding. <laughs> yeah, that's what I meant. <laughs> I just get to crush beetles. It's a beetle weapon, that yeah. That's not that prime. Not prime. Cool thinks it's weird they're able to get on board despite like all the doors being shut. And he says, we'll go ask about it in the morning. Zach is still real sweaty about the fact no one knows he killed a Shreve. He's like just a sweaty they boy in this book. expected it because he's such a grade A, a F-up no matter where they go. Such a goober, right? The next morning, all the Imperials except for Thrawn's shuttle have left. And their damage to the Circadian Garden is devastating. The Arandas head to Varun's workshop, but they find him on the floor... And he's covered in drug beetles. Oh my god, Zach. Look what you've done. Everybody's gonna die. The garden, the eighth wonder of the universe is ruined. So the last three cliffhangers have been beetles, by the way. Um, Like every single cliffhanger (laughs) is beetles. Let's see if we can go for four in a row. But they aren't eating him. Vroon is using Wingsong. Kissing him. Well, you're not too far off. He's using Wingsong to talk to them as they crawl all over his body. They're sexing him. They're like three to four layered deep all over his body. He's vibrating and they're vibrating. Wake up feeling so horny. Suddenly Vroon sits up and the beetles disperse and he's really embarrassed to be caught, quote unquote, experimenting with, quote unquote, communicating with the drug beetles. Experimenting with communicating. Wink, wink, wink. I feel you. I get you. Hul tells him about Zack's beetle problem. And he's like, you didn't kill them, right? And Zack's like, yeah, I, I smashed him with my skimboard, like every single one of them. He's like, oh no, this is terrible, says Vroon. Tragedy! But surely, like, the increased number of beetles during our time here, like, I've seen a bunch of them, says Uncle Hul. Like, you know, that's, that's you, a problem, you can't right? kill a few, right? <gasps> There's no imbalance, shrieks Vroon. Shashak shows up at the workshop and he's like, hey, there sure are a lot of beetles around here, huh? And, and Vroon's like, everything's under control! He's like really just melting uh, down here. Vroon. <laughs> then Thrawn shows up to arrest Shashak, their main culprit in right. killing his officer. 
and he brings the Arandas along to a shuttle to serve as witnesses. Shashak claims innocence. That's my Viber Pike you found in the bushes, yeah, but there's no blood on it. And, like, I'm a warrior poet, that's kind of my thing, and, like, I was practicing on a tree. That just... Look, sure, I'm 50% killer, but I'm also 50% poet. He's like, at the so... time he was killed, I was practicing against a tree, so, like, it couldn't have been me. I was kicking a dog. I was too busy kicking a tree's ass to kick yeah. a dude's ass. It's not a great case, though. Either way, Shashak. Zach speaks up and says, No, his story's true. We found him and while well, we, we were, like, spying on you guys, and we chased him, and we found him hitting a tree. Cool, Zach. Just dig that hole deeper, bud. Great, right? So Thrawn's like, I'm gonna start questioning Zach instead. No, he's gonna hold up magnificently to that question. He's like, why would you kids be poking around my shuttle? After all this is said and done, after you figure out the murder, we're gonna send you up to the starter story to be identified and take your take your statements. Great job, Zach. <laughs> Nicely done, bud. But first, they insist they check on the practice tree. Like they want to see that, like it isn't was indeed being up a tree. It with Pike. He sends his other remaining officer to go inspect Varun to make sure he's like you know. On the up and up, because as he says, he's the wild card in this Sabak deck. Varun's uh, unpredictable, right? He is. Well, he does seem a little imbalanced. So now the now the Arandas are alone with Thrawn, and they're walking through the woods. And sure enough, that tree has the scars to prove it. But Thrawn is still not convinced because there's no telling when these scars were made, or that he was even here at the same time. And he could, have been, he could have been beating up the street like an idiot any day. Yeah, and so Shish- and so he's like, "You're the killer, Shashak. It's got to be you." So he pulls out his blaster, ready to shoot him. But then <laughs> this horrible noise comes up the path. There, his remaining officer stumbles back to them, and he's choking to death. And they try to say, what's is, the matter? Is it on Beatles? Well, he opens his mouth, and Beatles, Beatles pour out. Oh, it's Beatles! Is that the, other, is that the next cliffhanger? Yes. He, okay, so four in a row, Beatles. And he really is dead from Beatles. He really is dead from Beatles. Cause of death, Beatles. Thrawn's changed his mind. Uh, the Beatles did it. I don't think it was my... <laughs> uh, in light of this new evidence, my <laughs> yeah. deductive reasoning leads I mean, me to believe that it was Beatles. He's inspired by Sherlock Holmes. This is a pretty good deductive reasoning, oh, yeah, right? Absolutely. When you eliminate all the things that aren't Beatles, what remains, however improbable, must be Beatles. Beatles. So he unhooks Shashak's handcuffs, and now is the time where Zack's flop sweat overflows entirely, and he just spills his guts about killing a Shreve, and how it's all his fault that the bugs are taking over. It's, I try to kill Thrawn every day, but it wasn't enough. They're just killing people now. Thrawn scoffs at it, and is like, you dumbass kid. This place is like dozens of kilometers big. Th- killing 30 a day wouldn't do dick. You That's are- what I've been saying! We have to confront the wild card. Vroon, the caretaker. Card. They bust into the workshop, and Vroon is whispering sweet nothings to beetles. Vroon's a pervert, dude. Uncle Hul's like, you gotta destroy the overpopulation of beetles. It's taking over the planet. It's killing people. I can't, But Rune. I love them. They're my family, he says. Our beautiful ancestors, and I can speak to them. They have so much to teach us. Stone's like, Stone's like, shut up. You're under arrest. You're coming with me. Never, cries Vroon, and he dives out the window. Arrested for loving beetles. Loving beetles too much. Too much. Shashak, the warrior poet, is in hot pursuit, and everyone else follows. He loses Vroon and suggests they try to get out of the garden, since he points out that pretty much every single leaf that they've passed, and every single tree, is covered in beetles. Just beetles. Just waiting for something. Millions of them. And nearby, there's a pit of dead shreves being eaten by more beetles. Oh, okay, so, I mean, I guess regardless of what Zack did, it's... So, it looks like Vroon's been killing shreves pretty regularly. So there's like pretty much a, it's the a, room's been killing it's them. It's pretty much a mass grave of Shreves here. Okay, so I get. I mean, Zach gets off the hook by default. So on a technicality. They look for an escape route when a storm cloud fills the sky. 
but those aren't clouds. They're beetle swarms. Is that another cliffhanger? Yes. Oh my god, another one is beetles. Five in a row. A tornado of bugs rips through the garden. Pool shapeshifts into a shreve to distract the bugs. Okay. It's a pretty clever idea. Yeah, that's good. Thrawn suggests they all run for shelter in his shuttle. Meanwhile, the beetles are blotting out the sun. Oh my god. They barely make it, and the kids are nearly locked out. Tactical decision, says Thrawn. <laughs> he is a genius tactician. He wanted to lock children out of his shuttle. Sacrifice the children. Tactical decision. He gets ready to take off, but the beetles have fried his ship circuits as well. Oh, dang. Then a bunch of them begin to pour in through the air vents. Soon the shuttle is completely swarmed with bugs, almost burying everyone on board. So he's like, shit, we gotta get back to Varun's workshop. They run through the beetle swarm again and pursued by an angry cloud of bugs. But then another cloud attacks the beetle cloud. It's a flock of Shreve. Hundreds of them eating drugs left and right. What? 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 Where did hundreds of them come from? Well, they're being led by one Shreve in particular. Uncle Hool. This way, boys. He returns to his true form in front of the kids, Shashak and Thrawn. He wipes his mouth. Believe me, I've eaten my fill. Ew, he actually ate the beetles? You gotta do what you gotta do. Do you have to, though? You let him there. Like, you don't have to actually eat the beetles. I think he did it because he wanted. He returned. Another pervert. All of them returned to Varun's workshop, hoping to find him there to give him some answers and, like, Figure out how to fix this thing. Yeah, Varun, what the hell, dude? But instead they find him being eaten by drog beetles. Oh, I thought they were his beloved friends and family. No, they, he can speak to them. They are cleaning out his exoskeleton like a pumpkin. Like, it is, is gross. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> With friends like those. <laughs> they barricade the doors and windows as the beetles slam into the cottage. And even the roof is caving in because of the weight of all the beetles on top of it. <laughs> but Zack the genius has an idea. Instead of trying to kill them, what if we talk to them? But you... Can't! Varun thought he could and he was crazy! Shashak, you're the greatest poet on all of Skr. Why don't you sing one of your poems? What the hell makes you think beetles are gonna appreciate poetry? Who's like, we have no other ideas. Let's do what our dumbass nephew says. He says, I'll shapeshift into a skr, and I'll accompany the wing song so we have double the, the vibration of the wing's he, power. That doesn't mean that he necessarily knows the language. He's, just he's gonna follow along. Okay, he's gonna, whatever, yeah, whatever. he's gonna improvise. Nitpicking. Once the beetles are calm, he says, you and your sister can walk through the horde of bugs to do the last repairs on the ship, and you can fly it back here. Okay. Sound good? And Zach's like, maybe I'll do it faster if Mr. Thrawn comes along. Oh! Um, and Thrawn's like... The guy who just locked you out of the ship as a tactical decision? And Thrawn's like, hell no, I'm going to my own ship, dumbass. I'm not helping you. <laughs> you stupid little punk. Shashak and Hula start wing-songing, and sure enough, it calms the buggers down. Zach and Tosh head to the shroud and see the entire garden covered in millions of wriggling beetles. Like, there's no ground... They're just really calm. They're... they're they're, yeah, they're calm. They but they're, didn't die, but they're just really But they're calm. stepping through beetles. It's like the, everything they step on is covered in beetles. Like this. So this planet is a wash, basically. Pretty much. Thrawn storms back to his shuttle as well. You know, get his boots all dirty on bugs on the way. But the beetles seem to be growing restless. The wing song is kind of wearing off. So it's all up to Zack to fix the engine before they start crawling inside the ship again. Okay, they're going to die here. Like, they're going to die because he's the one that broke it in the first place. I have no reason to believe he thinks. But against all odds, Zack puts the right plug in the right spot. Oh, that's all. Oh, it's just something came unplugged. That's all. Okay. And the ship restarts and closes the vents. Oh, thank God. They return to the workshop and retrieve Uncle Hul and Shashak, both of whom have beetles hanging off their bodies. Zack brushes them to the floor and stomps them to death. He counts. Exactly 30. <laughs> Prime! How do you have time to count? I thought you had to get the hell out. How do you have time? One, two, three. Wait, as he sounds music. One, two, three. Even that takes too long. What a dumbass day. What a petty bitch. Now for epilogue. Shashak gets in touch with the Skr governing Bardi, who will capture and spread the drug beetles across the planet. So, like, you know, it's not a total wash. The garden needs to restart, but they're going to spread the beetles out. Kind of spread it around. Right? Gone. That's pretty mad. The garden will be under closer supervision in the future, and not by a crazy person like Varun. Yeah. They drop off Skr, or sorry, they drop off Shashak, and they head into space before Thrawn can catch them. The final paragraph is this. 
None of them noticed the two small figures scuttling across the ceiling. Two insects froze as the three humanoids stomped down the corridor. When Hul and the Arandas were gone, the beetles waggled their antennae, seeking warmth. Then they scurried along the ceiling toward the warm engine room, a perfect place to lay their eggs. Is that going to come back, you reckon? Probably not! <laughs> that was Galaxy of Fear the Swarm. So it wasn't very scary, you were right. It's more it's of just like a... just bugs. I liked how Thrawn was in it. I like how there was some weird pervert who thought bugs were his friends and then they ate him. That was all good, but not a scary one. Not a scary one. No, not a scary one. And another Zack one. Two Zack ones in a row. I'm very surprised. They're ba- breaking their pattern here. Honestly, I think brain spiders were scarier than the swarm. And you didn't think brain spiders was very scary. I didn't. It's more scary in concepts like having your brains put into a spider against your will. Yeah. That's, pretty, that's, like, that's like conceptually scary. In execution, it's mostly stranger danger. A bunch of bugs flying at you. Okay. I like bugs. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm not. I mean, I don't like them the way Varun likes. Bugs, I like the but setting. I, like bugs. I think the characters are good, except for Zach, who sucks always. But not not a horror story. No, not really. I I I'm sorry, Midnight Society. I gave you a, a dud. Just like uh, just like just like why I'm afraid of bees was. I mean, that's basically why I'm afraid of bees. But aren't you glad I told you about Thrawn before I read that one? Yeah, because I could at least appreciate that aspect. Yeah. I have to assume he got off the planet without getting eaten by bugs, because he has a much longer history than this book. I mean, he has, like, a, like, didn't you say, like, a novel-length history? Yes, yes, yes. It happens well after this book. Yes, yes. All right. Well, thanks, Ryan. I am quivering in fear. Are we okay. going to do this again next week? We'll do Spooky November, probably, but yeah, I'll, I'll read one more, at least. All right. Got it. Well, you know what time it is, Ryan. It's time for... The hot, the hot, the hot, the hot, the hottest take. We return to the hottest takes... The takes that are hot and the spiciest takes. You gotta fresh s- off the grill, them spicy takes. You gotta first give us the results of uh, our previous hot takes. Seeing how I just posted them this morning, there might not be that many results. There might not be any at I'll all. give you what there are right now, though, and that will be the, uh, the, the current rankings, okay? So, the first take. It goes all the way back to episode 71, I believe. We had someone asking, which is better, Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter? And we had someone saying that uh, Lord of the Rings was garbage and Harry Potter is the best. And it's about a long walk to a volcano to throw away a ring. Boring as hell. You're welcome. Yes. Right. The other take was we want to live in a galaxy far, far away. And they said only if it looks like Japan, basically. (laughs) That's right. They wanted to find their waifu. As far as bad takes go, Star Wars but Japan, please, is the Uh, winner. Yay. I'm not that surprised. Although, hmm, I do think. All right. What's the next one? All right. So let's see what we got. We have three votes on the next take. The next take is, what is Lord of the Rings about? The answer being, Gandalf is an army recruiter. That whole thing about- That whole stupid, like, somebody either trying to be funny or just, like, trying to be deep. Versus, Darth is a first name, not a title. That was stupid. Turns out, so far, this could change. We could report- We'll report- This is just- Again, this is- Guys, you're just like- preliminary results. These are the primaries. Um, We'll report on the full election next week. Um, we'll see what Nate Silver has to say about the statistics on these. Because um, he was right last time, right? And it turns out, so far, as far as today goes, uh, most more people think that Darth as a first name is a stupider idea. It's a pretty stupid freaking idea. It's it pretty stupid. Yeah. Well, are you ready for this week's hot takes? Uh, yeah, you got one? Okay, cool. Yes, so, here we go. Um, I'm actually going to read you a lot of takes in this one, but... Can you just pick, like, your fave, though? I-, I will pick my fave in the end. I just They're really short, and I just want you to read all the takes on this. The question is, am I the only one who prefers Star Wars more than Lord of the Ring? Okay, I think I saw a lot of those posts on Yahoo Answers. Actually. Best answer? No, I do too. 
Oh, okay. That's the best answer. <laughs> Again, a lot of times best answer equals like person who agrees with me. Understandable, says Gonzo. Both are for nerds, though. <laughs> I mean, not wrong. Uh, George says, no, I highly doubt Lord of the Rings has the hardcore fan base like the Star Wars franchise. Midnight Blue says, as a middle-aged adult, I think they're both lame. All right. And then Anonymous says, are you kidding? There's more Star Wars fans than there are Lord of the Rings fans. The franchise has been around way longer. So what's the take you're going with here? What's, what's that? The- Star Wars is older than Lord of the Rings. That's not a take. That's a that's fact. A take. No, it's not. Lord of the Rings is I'm joking. Older than I was Star- joking. I'm going to kick your ass. I'm going to kick your goddamn okay. ass. Is that, yeah. Star Wars is older. So Star Wars is preferable to Lord of the Rings because it's, it's older. older. That is dumb. Yes. I have a, some from Yahoo Answers as well. I'm trying to decide which one because there's some really bad ones. This is kind of a callback to our to our worst name challenge. Uh, we have a user on Yahoo Answers named Maltastic asking for what are good Star Wars names. This is posted back in two thousand nine. Good Star Wars names. This is gonna be excellent. I'm making a Star Wars character. I need a name. So if you have any good ones, please tell me. P.S. Don't be mean and write Agapur or something like that. Make it cool. Make it cool. goddammit. it. That's with a K, by the way. Make it cool. P.P.S. Don't steal a name that's already a Star Wars name because I probably already know who they are. P.S.S.S. A Star Wars name is not something like Bob or Kayla either. Thank you. You dumbass idiot. Something like Daniel Dell. So here's some cool names. Jolie Bindo. These are all written by Anonymous. I assume their they're, they're profiles don't exist anymore. Nolist Vren. Karkadoff Undu. Karkadoff Undu. Oster Crepe. <laughs> they were literally making a crepe in the yeah. toaster and they just took the tea off. Uh, Figgin Telemari. <laughs> Figgin. Keegan Malik. Cool. Kalidor Valerian. Dadorian Equin, Valdor Mayfair, Dajo Otu, Isis Skyrider. <laughs> Isis? Like, it's spelled Ice with a Z at the end. Isis. Babutov Kaladar. Babutov. Just some off the top of my head. <laughs> oh, just, just, I'm just rapping with you. Yeah. Just, you know. So those are some pretty cool names. So what's your favorite? I like uh, Ostar Crepe. Ostar Crepe is pretty good. <laughs> I really liked um, Karkadoff Undu. Kukarov Undu. Karkadoff Undu. That was the best answer. Um, not really a hot take, but neither was yours, so it's fine. We'll- yeah, it's okay. <laughs> We're really stretching the definition of hot I'm take. Actual- to just like people saying something we think is dumb. I, I lowballed that. I, I, I underhand uh, tossed that one. That was a real like softball toss there. I like it. I like um, it. I have actual takes, but you didn't give me a take, so I gave you not a take. So. I had to search longer. You have to try I mean, harder. I did find a good take, but it's not Lord of the Rings related. It's, can we all agree that swearing should be officially banned from movies? Uh, yeah, I'll sign that petition. Or not. Shit. All right. Uh, so you can go on our Facebook, What's Lightsaber's Precious, on the Facebook, and you can vote, which is a worse take. Star Wars is older than Lord of the Rings, or Ostar Crepe is a cool name. Um, and you can you can also check us out at com or shoot us an email at whatslightsabersprecious at gmail.com. Uh, or on Apple Podcasts, raise up, give us five stars if you like us. Um, next week, we're going to be dipping a little bit into spooky November, but you don't mind. You you freaking hogs, you're going to eat it all up, you little spooky hogs. Eat up the slop. Eat the slop. Eat, right eat, out the, the, spook- eat the slop. Eat, eat the spooky slop. Eat that spooky slop, you spooky hogs. Yum, yum, yum. Eat them up, little babies. We'll be back next week. Have a spooky Halloween. <laughs> <laughs>